Welcome to this month of December. We started off last week. We know the theme for the month is celebrating divine truth. What a wonderful thing that is. And last week we talked about, um, you know, above all else. And, and truth is above all else, right? Today's talk is God expressing, and that is who and what we are. God expressing. That's exactly what we are. There is no other activity going on in the physical form but God expressing. And so, like I said, last week we talked about above all else, with, which is our teaching of truth. Our teaching of truth is above all else, right? This is truth above all else. And, and you know, when things get dicey, as they have been, I think, you know, in the world in these last couple of months, um, it is time to double down on our teaching of truth, right? It is time to know, to go deeper into our faith philosophy, it is not the time to walk away from it. It is absolutely time to go deeper into it, to assure ourselves of, of truth and, and what is real, you know, for us and for the world. One of my very, very fa favorite Ernest Holmes quotes talks about that. It comes from the Science of Mind textbook. And he says, stay with the one and never deviate from it. Never leave it for a moment, nothing else can equal this attitude. To desert the truth in the hour of need is to prove we do not know the truth. When things look their worst is the supreme moment to demonstrate to ourselves that there are no obstructions to the operation of truth. When things look the worst is the best time to work, the most satisfying time. The person who can throw himself with complete abandon into the limitless sea of receptivity, having cut loose all apparent moorings, is the one who will always receive the greatest reward. And that's what we must do in times like this. This is what times are calling us to do, to absolutely go deeper into our faith, into our trust, into our knowledge, and into the truth. This is, this is not the time for hedging our bets, right? This is no plan being it, no, no, you know, I trust God, but, right? Any of that stuff, it's not the time for that. We must recognize that there is nothing going on here but God. There is absolutely nothing going on but spirit. And you know, mystics have talked about this forever, that there is a unified wholeness to everything and that that is God. And God is simply outpicturing as everything. There is nothing else going on, right? This, there is only the unity of all life forever, right? Forever. That is all there is. And, and mystics have been talking about it, and people have been hearing about it, and thinking about it, and saying we believe it, and then wandering off when things go south. We have to stop doing that, <laughs> you know? And, and, our, and our first response sometimes when things go haywire is, what am I going to do about this? Right? Don't you do that? When stuff, goes, when stuff goes upside down, it's like, oh my God, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? When our first response should be, could be, always, I'm going to prayer. 
I'm going to prayer. Something goes haywire, something unexpected happens, right? The world gets turned upside down on its ear for a minute. I go to prayer. That's what we do. And and the question is not, what am I going to do about this? The questions are, what's possible here? What wants to be revealed? Um, What is this situation calling from me, from within me? What What is the situation calling for me to know? What is the situation calling for me to say, right? And then maybe, perhaps, what is the situation calling for me to do? But that's the last thing. That's the last thing we need to do. But it's usually the first thing we want to do, right? We want to run out and do something. We want to fix it. Oh, man, you know? And fixing it is in itself a kind of separation, isn't it? right? It's, it's, it's an, almost an acknowledgement of a separation that really doesn't exist. I'm going to fix this situation over here, right? And so it smacks of separation in and of itself. That is duality right there. And that does not help. It just doesn't help. When we remember that we are a wave of the ocean, We are a cell in the body. We are an organ in the system. When we remember that, we allow that power and presence, right, to flow through us. The power and presence which actually changes the things. When we allow it to flow through us, it changes the things. But we have to be that open and available vessel. We are connected all the time to spirit and to each other and to everything else in the manifest universe. Think about this tangled hierarchy of what, you know, what they talk about in quantum, quantum physics, right? That everything is in touch with everything else. Everything is connected to everything else. That there is this intricate web of connectivity to all things. There is no separation. We look individualized, right, as, as single bodies, apart from each other. But what we know is the energy which is us extends from that body. It is always mingled with everything else. We are always in touch with everything else and we're always connected. Information flows to us, through us, when we remain open and we remain available to information to flow through us and to us, right? Intuition, that still small voice, is forever speaking to us. It is forever speaking to us. We are always in communion with the divine. We're usually so busy doing stuff, we don't hear it. But it is forever speaking. It is forever talking to us, guiding us, directing us. And when we are open and available, we hear it all the time, you know? (laughs) Normally, we're too busy, like I said, doing things and thinking things. We have our laundry list of stuff inside of our heads. We're, we're busy doing stuff. But, you know, it, it's always speaking to us. I remember years and years and years ago, um, I w- actually, when I was first new, really, to San Diego, I was stuck in traffic because there was a, a big mobile home being delivered to a mobile home park. And so the street was blocked and this trailer was trying to, you know, get into the the entrance of the mobile home park. And I'm sitting there and I'm right in front of what's going on. And I was just watching and I really wasn't thinking anything at all. And I noticed that the the truck that the mobile home was on was trying to get into the mobile home park that and the mobile home park had a beautiful wooden structure like a um 
a nice, uh, not a gate, but a, uh, um, an archway, a big archway. And the truck had to get under it, and it wouldn't fit under it. It was two or three inches too tall with the mobile home on the truck, and it, and it, it hit the cross beam of the arch. And there was, there was several construction workers and the truck driver and everybody standing around in there wondering what to do. And, and I was just watching the situation unfold. And then one of the gentlemen told the other guys to go get a, a, a chainsaw and they were gonna cut the beam overhead in order to get this truck through with the mobile home on it. And I just looked at it and I thought, that's interesting, right? It's an interesting solution. And then all of a sudden I thought, ah, and I, and I rolled the window down and I called over one of the workers and he actually walked over, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I said to the gentleman, I said, no, you're, you're going about this all wrong. I don't even believe I said it. It was like really weird. I got right in the middle of this thing. I would never do that. But spirit was just talking through me. And I said to the guy, don't cut, the, don't cut the archway, that just don't even do that. All you need to do is take a little air out of all the tires. And he looked at me like I'd lost my mind. And he was like, what? I said, just take a little air out of all of the tires. And he walked back over to the group and he told them what I told them. And they did that and the, everything lowered about two to three inches and they just drove right underneath the arch and, you know, and off they went on their merry way. And this is how inspiration works. This is how intuition works. I mean, like, I, I had no reason to get into the middle of it. It was a thought that, was just, that just came to me. And this is the way intuition speaks to us. And then I spoke to them. He had no reason to come over and even ask me what I wanted to tell them. And even if I did, he had no reason to even listen to me or think that I had an answer that would have been easier, simpler, and, and divinely guided, right? But he did. And then he went over and actually talked to the other workers about doing the very thing. So all of it was divinely inspired. Isn't that awesome? That's the way intuition works, right? That it's, just, it's just there for us all the time to guide us and direct us if we are willing, if we are open and available to hear that still small voice. I had no investment in the outcome, right? It didn't even matter to me whether they took my suggestion or not. I was just there witnessing what was happening. And that's the way we are with each other all the time. We are all witnessing each other. We are all part of this one thing called life. And it is spirit just doing everything. This idea that there is only one. There is only one activity. It is the activity of spirit. There is only one life. It is God in form, in all forms. God in the form of a blade of grass. God in the form of an insect. God in the form of a human. God in the form of a blue whale. It is God in the form of everything, in, in and out of manifestation. You know, I read this, I read this really interesting article last week in the, in the New York Times. And it was an article about the secret life of trees. I love it. And so I loved, actually, I loved the quote that we used today about, about walking in the woods because, well, the person who writes the, who, who picks the quotes doesn't know what I'm going to be talking about. And I love the way this divine synchronicity occurs all the time because I was reading this article and I wanted to talk to you about this, the secret life of trees and how this woman was, was, um, 
doing research on how trees are connected beneath the surface, between the roots and, and fungal masses that connect each tree to another tree and to the environment, and how through the tree roots and the fungus and the other tree roots that there is a communication that goes on between these trees in the forest. Her name is Suzanne uh, Simard, and she published a paper on her findings about the life of the forest and how it was much more about cooperation than competition. Right, And so this, this research that she came to, that she discovered that strong trees can send nutrients to the weaker trees, that strong trees will send out carbon and other nutrients through the root network, through the fungus, to other trees to strengthen them. And it even occurs between species. She found that um, carbon flows from, say, like a birch tree to the fir tree. When, um, when the fir is particularly shaded by the leaves of the birch and is not getting as much nutrients as you want. And the reverse happens when the birch loses its leaves, then nutrients flow in greater amounts from the fir to the birch. So that there is this cooperation between a stand of trees. And, and, and it's just, to me, it was just fascinating. Ernest Holmes um, Ernest Holmes writes this, he says, this was from a speech he gave, Freedom from Evil. He writes, we see the first principle of life is oneness. The first performance of life is multiplying itself without dividing itself. Consequently, we are one even while we are many. And since each one of us are part of the whole, if we seek to destroy each other, we only ultimately hurt ourselves. This is the great lesson of life. So this extraordinary level of altruism that flies in the face of Darwin's, um, you know, the, the, uh, in his Origin of Species, this whole idea of um, uh, the evolutionary premise of survival of the fittest, right? Which was a very competitive way of looking at things, survival of the fittest. This idea of cooperation and not competition which was what she was seeing in the forest, is just, it, it flies in the face of that conventional thinking. And of course, so she had scientists say, oh, that's just nonsense, it's not real. But it really is happening. I mean, her paper could not be disputed after a while. And so, and so for me, this idea that all of these trees are in communication with each other, that they are cooperating with each other, that they feed each other when one is struggling, to me, speaks more of our oneness, doesn't it? That there is only one activity going on there. It is the activity of spirit, that the one life supplies and supports everything. You know, Dr. Simard also showed that dying trees in the forest will send their carbon and their nutrients out to surrounding trees before they die. Uh, Dr. Simard calls it this, she said, a world of infinite biological pathways interdependent, like yin and yang. And that's lovely. You know, we would call it the oneness of all life, right? 
the oneness of all life, that all of, the, all of the nutrients, all of the support, all of the strength is passed through and around and among us. Although trees rise and fall, they are interconnected with everything else in their environment. You know, just like people rise and fall. But we are interconnected with everything in our environment. Perhaps it's easier to believe about trees, right? Because they're rooted in one place. So we can dig under the surface and we can see their roots and we can see the root network and we can see how they're connected to fungal masses, which are then in connection with other tree root networks. And we can prove to ourselves by seeing it. Oh yeah, see, here's a, here's a connection. Here's where they're physically connection. Here's the proof. But we are all physically connected. Even, even as humans running around seeming separate and apart from everything else, the energy that we give off, the energy that we're resonating in, the energy that is surrounding us and supporting us and supplying us is in connection with all other life everywhere. We are physically connected as humans running around all over the planet. Even though we seem like we are separate and apart, we are all still the body of God. We are all still the body of God. And, and you know, and so this, this really reinforces this idea that we are one, that there is only one thing happening. It is the energy of God in and around and as and through us. And it is eternal. It is everlasting, always has been, always will be, right? That's what we say about energy. That's what we say about God. And so the, so the idea then is that life doesn't end, even though our bodies do, right? Life doesn't end. It falls apart. <laughs> That's what happens. We fall apart, don't we? Life doesn't end. It falls apart. Bodies break down, like the tree dying in the forest. Bodies break down. Nutrients are released. Atoms from our bodies, from anything that dies and deteriorates, right? Those atoms go on to inhabit other forms. We are recycled. We are recycled, really. And all of it is used, again, to create something else. Trees release oxygen into the atmosphere, used by other, other beings that are breathing in the oxygen and releasing CO2. That CO2 is used by other organisms and, and goes on to, you know, to be taken up yet again by something else. The same atoms are cycling around for eons. They've always been and they always will be. In words that heal today, Ernest Holmes said, <sighs> yeah, I think um, he, was, he was talking about uh, Jesus and he said, it was not his idea that we be lost in divinity, but that we be found in God. There's a vast difference between those two thoughts. One is annihilation the other is inclusion. One is absorption. The other is immersion. Jesus taught inclusion and immersion, not annihilation and absorption. He had reconciled unity with multiplicity, oneness with variation. He saw God in everything in the wind, in the wave, divine intelligence dominating nature, 
love flowing through all of its forms, beauty, harmony, law, and order, binding everything together in one cohesive unity. And that's what we see happening. That is the truth. There is only one activity here. There is only one thing that's happening, and it is God expressing. All that is happening is God expressing. So, can we muck it up? Well, of course. <laughs> Humans do that all the time, don't we? Of course we can. We have free will. We can be in the light, or we can stand in the shadow. We can act out of love, or we can act out of fear. We can annihilate ourselves because of fear of others. Or we can cooperate like the trees in the stand do, right? We can bomb ourselves out of existence. But life will go on. Life will go on. It will take other forms. It may not be human, but life will go on. Spirit will find a way to inhabit other forms and to create new life. Atoms and molecules and the energy regroups and finds a new way of expressing. Spirit is forever expressing, forever inhabiting form and abandoning form. And there is one life. It is God. It is perfect. It is our life right here and right now. It is up to us to choose wisely. It is up to us to be like the trees and choose cooperation over competition. I want to finish up by reading you this little essay that Ernest Holmes wrote on self-realization. He said, self-realization comes to us not by antagonizing or fighting other people's way of believing, not by struggle or by strife, but by the recognition that is by knowing the truth, by alignment with the nature of reality, which is wholeness, unity, goodness, and beauty. This should add a new dignity to our concept of ourselves. It should enable us to know the eternal I am is always infinite, unique, eternal, and yet in its oneness, the root of all life. There is just as much God in one person as there is in another. It, if it seems as though there is more God in one person than another, it's simply because all people have not used as much of the divine gift. We acquire a new sense of human values in realizing that all humanity is divinity waking up itself through self-discovery and self-realization. All people are of God. The only evidence we have of divinity is humanity. We learn that we approach God neither on the mountaintop nor in Jerusalem, for behold, the kingdom of heaven is within us. There is nothing else going on here but God expressing itself through and as. All of us, all life 
everything in the manifest universe, from the farthest star to the, to the closest cell within your body, atom, carbon atom, that makes up your, your heart cell. There is only one activity going on, and that is the activity of God. It is the activity of spirit expressing itself as us. And so when you look around today, when you see other people, when you see other animals, when you see other trees, remember that. Remember, we are one. There is no separation. There is nothing else going on here but God expressing. Thank you.